Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager here at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. I've got all my linemates with me, and for some reason, we're going to keep talking about the Blackhawks season that was, even though it was pretty miserable. But, uh, you know, we got some other stuff mixed in that's coming your way. But I've got all my linemates with me this evening, as always. So let's bring them all in. Up first, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey. You can find on Twitter at Shepherd Price. It's Shepherd Price. Uh so things may be bad in this country, uh, considering the events of the last few weeks. Uh, but in Scotland, it's all W's. Uh, the new doctor is uh, Scottish. The uh, conservative Scottish Conservatives lost majorly, lost sixty seats uh, in local elections. So there's other countries where it's all W's right now, and I'm focused on that because in this country, it's all L's. And that has been uh, Shea Scottish Corner. Thank you for coming to. The- <laughs> We actually, as we were briefly discussing in our Slack channel, that we are apparently both fans of Taskmaster. So I feel like we're just going to need to do an entire Taskmaster episode. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That that's going to be our our next podcast before we. Uh, I don't know that that that'll be our off season. Maybe we'll get to that in like August or September, or maybe if you get casted by it at some point. <laughs> so, so that's something to look forward to. <laughs> also, with this this evening. He is, and you can find him on Twitter at Mill182, and he is a second city hockey. What Gerard Way is to my chemical romance, it's Mill Savage. I actually have some good news. Uh, you don't have to eat meat. I've made enough gazpacho for all. <laughs> so you gonna end world hunger? Uh, yes. Um, hopefully, but uh, yeah, I uh, I don't really know what to say other than that everything else sucks. Uh, and actually, no, Forbidden Doors coming up. Yay! Oh, by the way, uh, Shay, uh, I don't know if you were if you got your tickets yet, but Mill's brother Steve, we have to give him a, a tip of the hat because he clued me in on Twitter that they released a bunch more tickets, and I now have tickets. I will be at Forbidden Door as well. So, oh right. Um, so then we get three of us to go, and then we need to convince Betsy to get into wrestling, and then mm-hmm. well, all four of us will the be whole. There. The whole goddamn uh, hockey, like Blackhawks hockey writer, bloggers, like everybody just goes to wrestling. It's now. a 95% overlap minimum. I, I was at one AEW show where I looked down and to my left was Shay waving up at me and to my right was air traffic AJ. <laughs> I was just like, uh, we're not in a hockey game right now, but this is cool. Yeah, I, I think that was a, uh, a, a realization because of Twitter of like the amount of people that I followed for their Twitter uh, hockey discussion were also all into wrestling, which is kind of what steered me into it. Um, oh, cows and baby. <laughs> oh, I have it recorded right now. I hope, I hope it's exciting this evening. Me too. Uh, but before we get too far off the rails, like we usually do, let's bring in the, the last member of the group. And she is not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. And she is second city hockey's bull and wall of text. Who's been striking all through the playoffs in all of the game threads. It's Betsy. Um, you know, I used to like wrestling. Like I used to be really into wrestling, like back when like Kurt Angle had hair. Um, well, like, <laughs> like, we can't all keep our hair. Unfortunately, Shout out so. Pittsburgh, baby Kurt Angle. <laughs> um, like way back, like I used to really be into like Lita and the Hardy boys when she ran with them and stuff like that. But I got good news for you about the Hardy boys. <laughs> they're still, <laughs> they're still, wrestling. I know they're, I, well, a lot of people, a lot of them still are from then, but like, I don't know. I just kind of, I don't want to say grew out of it, but like literally just did not have time. No, this happens to everybody. This is a, I've, I've found this to be true that everybody gets out of it and then come, finds their way back somehow. It's like some prodigal son stuff. Yeah, no, that's, I, and that's the exact trajectory I was on. Like I watched it a ton as a kid growing up, like in the nineties, the attitude era was stone cold and everyone in the rock. And then like didn't really watch it for like 15, 20 years. And then just like the last six months, six to 12 months, like I had a buddy around here who just ran out of the blue was like, Hey, we're going to watch the AEW pay-per-view tonight. You want to come watch? It's like, sure. Why not? And it was, I think it was the night CM Punk came back. So 
Uh, and it was, it was I, all I, out. Just, I can't say like I'm, I'm not watching like every second of it every day, but, you know, like I'm recording the dynamite that's on right now and I'll probably watch it when we're all done here uh, between that and the, the NHL playoffs. Speaking of the NHL playoffs, uh, apparently the Rangers just woke up. I think Crosby got hurt, didn't didn't he? I just saw something on Twitter about that. I didn't see that, but the the Rangers have scored three goals in two forty two, and they're now winning. And that game was two, and it's and then the Penguins just tied it because this game's on drugs. <laughs> it was like the Toronto Tampa game from last night. That was excellent. Yeah, that was an excellent hockey game last night. I had, I really enjoyed watching that game. I'm I'm still kind of. I'm, I won't say I'm anti-Toronto, but I, I want to throw this thought out there and see what you guys think about this. I, As I was watching Toronto celebrate that win, I remember it looked very uh, 2010 Vancouver Canucks to me, or 2011, I guess I'd say, and that I felt like they were over-celebrating a win. They were celebrating like they won the Stanley Cup, it seemed. like I, It just felt a little much for a round one game five victory. Uh, a round one game five victory against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. I, and a I team know. a team that can't get out of the first round. I, I know, but they, I, and they're still not. That's the thing. Like I get where you're coming from because they still haven't got out of the first round. But like it's a big deal for them as a like if the Blackhawks had done that, I would be stupid excited. And you know Patrick Kane would have done that. Yeah, pretty much the same fucking Sally. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> I, I think on you're, my, you're not you're not wrong. It's on just my this. end of it, though, like the Vancouver Canucks are like uh, not a new team, but they've been in the league about fifty years and fifty two maybe, and they have never won shit. And it's like the Toronto Maple Leafs just talk shit about how many cups they've won, and they haven't won it since nineteen sixty seven. Original six, baby. It's like they're, shut up. They're they're as successful recently as the Chicago Bears, but with a longer dry spell. Like yeah, that's why they're annoying. It's like yeah, like I give like just like um, pretty much all Chicago teams at some point in my life, besides the Bulls, I give people credit for being diehard fans. But it's like, dude, don't when they win, then they're gonna talk shit. That's why they're annoying. I'm not anti Leafs, but it's like, come on. Yeah. Well, we we might come back to some, some more Stanley Cup chatter in a little bit, but we want to turn to some Blackhawks thoughts for quickly because there was something that happened last night that I think was kind of the first chip in the uh, the first chip that needed to fall to get a better understanding of what the Blackhawks are going to do and where they're going to go from here. And that is the draft lottery happened. Uh, they didn't get any good bounces, so they stayed at number six, and which means as a condition of the Seth Jones trade, that pick is now the property of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Talks could still get a first round pick if the St. Louis, or excuse me, if the Minnesota Wild get to the conference finals and Marc-Andre Fleury gets four wins. He has two, but they are down three to two in that series to St. Louis. So not looking great. I mean, they at least got a second round pick, but they, you know, the bumps up to the first. So I guess swinging it around to Shea to start, I guess, what does, does anything does last night's draft lottery results do anything for you or change anything for you? Uh, tank, baby, tank. Oh, uh, uh, you. S- Sorry. Go on. I, a, you know this team is rebuilding. How can you be upset that they're trying to tank? This is a, it's time, the time to be bad. You get a, you, they need, they get their first round pick next season. Like, it's time to be bad. They've, a better been bad draft. For, they've been bad for six years. Right. Unpurposefully. Now, it's per- now they need to be purposefully bad. Look, I, I will. The only way I will accept that idea is if they trade everyone, including Alex Brinkett. That's you, it. You, oh, that's that's, that's right. That's kind of where I draw the line. But he was too good. He was too good this last season. Yeah. Well, I you, just you need to build around him. I just, I mean, you you would have to get. I I think if you you start with. If we're going to do this, we're going to suck for three or four years. You go to Alex to break it and say we're going to suck for three or four years. Are you are okay you with gonna, that? Are you still going to be here at the end of it? Because if not, he's got to go too, unfortunately, as much as that would pay me to say it. I, I think we talked about this a week or two ago, maybe a month ago. I don't remember. I just I, – I don't – I don't want to say I hate Connor Bedard. I'm sure he's a nice young man and he's going to be a great hockey player and all these things. But just the idea of pinning the hopes of your entire franchise, the entire fortunes of your future on getting this kid who's, what, 16 years old right now? That just uh, that just that doesn't strike me as a good philosophy. I don't like it. And especially in, in, in a sport that is less individually driven than most. Right. But like – you 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 forget that like 
you have higher picks in every round then and are, are better able to draft higher. Like not only do you get like ideally pick number one, but like if you're bad enough, you get like pick number 35. 30, 30, yeah. Well, you get one and 33 and 65. Yeah. And all the way down. And, and, and you can't forget that like the Brinkat was a, was a high thirties pick. 42. Like 30, I thought. I thought he was yeah, like you know, just in value at a certain point. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, I I I more subscribe to what I guess Bill Belichick does this in the NFL a lot. It seems, and that once you get to the mid late points of the first round and the rest of the draft, I say it's more about getting as many quantity as yeah, yeah. it's quantity over quality in hopes that you land some quality. Just because um, you know, there's probably some difference between pick one sixty and pick eighty, but it's not as big of a gap. I know I, I can't find the, I always think of trying to look up that draft value chart and forget about it. But um, Betsy, what about you? Since you started to chime in a little bit there, uh, what are your <laughs> thoughts right. on this whole situation? Would never be a podcast if I wasn't like, but draft. No, picks. I know that, that <laughs> is, that is your brand. <laughs> um, Telling us so, when we're wrong. So this was, I had said it, and like I think the last podcast where I was like, this is the first, like this will determine what they do because I felt if they had gotten the sixth pick this year, they might've tried to be better next year. Like they, they would have actively like wanted to not only develop players, but also be good. And mm-hmm. I think that the be good part is not necessarily going to be a priority now. I don't think they're going to explicitly tank, but I don't think that that's going to be as big a focus as like hopefully getting young players in and developing them and maybe developing chemistry between something, figuring out what the fuck was up with Jake McCabe and, you know, those types of things. Cause he signed for several more years. He's got three more, uh, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, work out what that is and, and get him to a point where you could flip him maybe, or maybe he's good enough later. I don't know. But uh, I do think that they are going to have to like, this also does bring up the possibility of a Dubrinkit trade or something like that, because I don't know. I like, he's the biggest, he's going to bring back the most. Okay. That's just a fact. Kane might technically be the bigger name, but his contract just limits that and his age Dubrinkit, like every team in the league um, fan fans are like, Oh, I want him like every, every one of them. (laughs) Um, yeah, exactly. And there's a ton of like the senators fans have been throwing out ridiculous like proposals that I'm like, Oh, okay. Well I would say yes to some of these ones um, because he kind of lines up with their age group of like where they're going. So I could, you know, there's, there are teams that could do that. Um, and I almost am like, could you package a cane to a team like that? I don't know about the senators, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. Well, you could maybe do it. It just depends on what you think Dubrinkit's going to want and how much t- cap space has. But like, I don't know. Like, there's, there. I think that this and then who they the next step is deciding who's going to be their coach and if their coach is a coach that is geared towards young development. I will, I will think that it's going to be like a rough season next year. Though, again, I joked on our Slack, <laughs> like can they be worse than they were this year? Yes. Um, it can always be worse. <laughs> I mean, they, it was the worst they had been. And it was yeah. with a team that had better players than they had had for several, several years. So, I mean, well, even the, even the kid group, even the kids team did better. better yeah. Well, I mean, like, like the, the, the difference with this team is imagine if that team did not have Mark Andre Fleury last season, because they may not have Mark. There's a pretty good chance they won't have Mark Andre Fleury next season. Yeah, but the year before that, they had Lincoln and pull you know a wishbone out of his ass, you know, yeah. like and just was yeah. great for which. Which, by the way, if we could find that wishbone and get it back in there, that would help a lot. <laughs> right. It was, right. It was not a not the ideal season for Kevin Lincoln, unfortunately. Uh, let's swing it around to Mill since uh, we we haven't heard from him yet. Uh, Mill, what were your thoughts after the draft lottery last night? Uh, I thought it was an excellent parting gift from Stan Bowman. Um, <laughs> You know, hey, I just have really quickly. I, I I don't know how many of the people who listen to this podcast are frequent commenters at Second City Hockey, but I swear to God, if anybody starts from now on, I don't want to even see Stan Bowman's name anymore. I'm like, I'm just done. We don't have to talk. No, about yeah, I, I'm, I'm just so take, sick of him. I'm just taking the piss out of a conditional pick, but I know. Sorry, uh, go go ahead, Mill. 
uh, you know, Hey, I mean, if something awesome happens in the wild to get the Hawks, a first round pick somehow still cool. Um, uh, it's just, I, it's hard for me to, to really put too much into it because who knows, like Columbus might draft someone who sucks in that spot. So it's yeah. like, it's like, I, mean, I know it's, so far. I mean, it's just so Sillinger was had a really good rookie season for an 11th overall pick. No, no, I, I'm not saying for, I just mean for this conditional one, this specific one, it's like hard to, to put a lot of money into that, but the Hawks kind of, you know, this is why there's a GM change among other things. They got to dig themselves out of a hole and they're going to have to work with what they got. So they're going to probably keep acquiring picks. And I, I think I, I said this, you know, this is probably one of the reasons why they wanted first rounders in that Hagel deal for fourth rounders. Like they maybe not won't pan out like a top 10, but they got to get picks. Mm. So. Yeah, I, I I feel like, um, you know, the Hawks have had Patrick Kane still in or near his prime for the last five years and haven't done anything with it. So I, I like I feel like they have, you know, the superstar at the very top. But I feel like the thing that the Hawks have been missing so much for the last decade is all those intermediate guys that, you know, all the all the really popular guys from the earlier runs because they were really good, maybe not top line guys on a championship team, but feel like everybody that left went to a top line somewhere else, like the Andrew lads, the Chris Prestige, the Dustin Bufflins, the Troy Bowens, the Dave Bolins, like the Brian Bickles. Like these are, those are the guys that the Hawks have just not had for yeah. like five, six years. Like they get a one-off here and there. Like Kubalik had a season where he was like that. Um, and I'm trying to think of another one and I'm drawing like Brandon Hagel would qualify and you need, they need more people like that. And that, and that's where, again, that kind of gets back to my whole thing with the, the whole tanking situation is that because you need so many more pieces. And I, I just, I have, I have such a lack of faith in the team's ability to draft and develop talent outside of players like Alex Debrinkit, who are just clearly NHL ready from the day they arrive. Well, Dave, like you mentioned it with Kane, he's arguably gotten better since after all the cups. Yeah. Like yeah. the MVP year. I know, I know he had Panarin, but it's like still Kane's been playing with or without different guys. It, it doesn't matter. And it's like, if you weren't a fan and watched during that time, people won't remember. That'll be like a trivia question. What season did he win MVP? Yeah. So I guess that's, yeah, that, that's my, I feel like that that's the biggest difference of the last five to six years when they haven't done anything is just, there's been no, no depth, you know, they, and no they, coach they, well, they, that part of it too. Uh, which, uh, by the way, uh, so I, I don't want to say that I dislike the idea of Barry Trotz as a coach. Cause he'd be amazing, uh, compared to what they've had, but just, it's if he plays like such a trapping defensive focus style, like God, that's such boring hockey to watch. But I know, yeah, and also been bad. But Davidson has said they're rebuilding, so like, why go get one of the best coaches in the league right now? Well, because because he could. I mean, if if Trotz walks in and say he instills a, a really good defensive structure in this team, and like Alex Vlasic becomes really good, and Regula gets good, and Ian Mitchell gets good, like rebuilding doesn't necessarily like that that word covers so many different paths forward from here i feel like you don't necessarily a rebuild doesn't necessarily have to be trading everyone of value away and only playing young players like there's there's another road where you you know maybe if the hawks like say they they play better they're in wild card contention at the trade deadline next year you keep you know you keep Kane and Debrinket and everyone else around that you might trade away if you were blowing the whole thing up but you also don't mortgage your you don't trade Philip Deneau for Tom uh Thomas their Dale Fle- and Thomas Fleischman. Fleischman. Yeah. call them trash like they were okay. <laughs> yeah hey okay but the, but horrible, you, you don't, don't need to trade. name the trash it was just trash <laughs> Okay, you, you don't, don't trade want, Philip to know for trash. You mean you don't want guys baseball sliding through the crease to, to make a defensive effort? Oh, Jesus. Well, yeah, let's let's not talk about that. I've just gotten over that that disappointment. But no, I know I'm not because every fucking night I watch Philly to know on the Kings and I'm like, God damn it. And he's like, he's wearing an A now. I'm like, that's there are there are so many holes in the Blackhawks lineup that are in the shape of the players that used to be here. <laughs> Especially in the, I know we're talking about the forwards, especially on the fucking back end. Yeah. Oh, geez. Gustav Forsling in Florida. Like, so that's the, go ahead, Betsy. I was going to say the only, the only way you hire somebody like Trotz 
is if you, if Davidson thinks that they can turn it around in like take two years of rebuilding and then they're back in the playoffs by that third year. Um, is, is like, that, that's like the, that's the only way you do it. Cause you, you think he's going to build it up to that. You're he's going to help build it up to that. That's like the Cassidy and in, in Boston kind of now Boston actually made the playoffs his first two years, but they yeah. lost the, like in the first round, I believe at both those times. And then they went to the Stanley cup finals. Um, and I don't, I, I'm not saying the Blackhawks are where the Bruins were, but like, that's the only way I see you trying for like that established of a coach. Is that, and I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily, if they decided to do that, like, I don't think that's a incorrect approach. No, I don't either. I'm not, I don't, I don't really have a full, like, I don't have like a very defined opinion on what they should do. I would love for them to, to get a coach that knows how to handle young players well, which I don't know if Trotz does. Yeah. He feels like the type of, of coach that you put, like, he's like the exclamation point on an already good team. So he's the Joel Quibble to your Dennis Savard. Is what you're saying. Kind of, except that like, like, I don't know, like he's like, he's almost like, well, it's such a stupid thing to say though. Uh, like he's getting there. He, he would get you there eventually. He, okay. in a couple of years, not quite as much as like, like Q instantly made that team like a contender, yeah. like how uh, Sutter instantly made Calgary a contender. They might not win past this first round because hockey is weird, but um, they were better off this year than they were two years ago. Yeah, by by a, by a large, large margin. Even though everybody could see that Calgary had a decent team, I don't think the Blackhawks are in either of those places. They might oh, yeah. be to what Boston was in like 2014-15 um, because uh, Cassidy took over the year after that. I, Belief. I think that's a good point because, like, I think in 07 08, the Hawks missed the playoffs by only like three points. Yeah, they got really, they made a, they faltered down the stretch and didn't make yeah. it that year. And obviously, they added Hosa and some different guys. And, you know, obviously, they went to the conference final and they got smacked by Detroit because they murdered Martin Havlett and Nikola Javi Bullen. But, um, <laughs> Cronwall literally killed Havlet. It was sad, but it's like, like Betsy said, it's like they were already coming into their own and a very young, talented team. And Quenville just kind of was like, okay, here's how we're going to do it. Like this Hawks team lost 43 fucking regulation games. Yeah, Like that's horrible. I believe like if you include overtime losses, I think they went 28 and 54 last season. I mean, that like, that's absolutely miserable. You guys like, holy smokes. Like, <laughs> 43 regulation losses more than half the schedule. And and how and we all had to sit through and and, and cover these games. <laughs> oh joy. But yeah, I I just don't um yeah, the, the draft lottery like it it just it's uh, after it ended I just felt like I had more, even more questions than I did before because then it's like all right, now what? Cuz there now there's like 35 different you know, we're down from 40 to 35 different rows that they could take from here. Um, and like, I, I feel like I, like there's, there's a wide range of opinions. It sounds like everyone, even among the four of us, there's like different thoughts and opinions on where they can go from here. But I think the, my, my biggest thing is just pick a lane and just stay in it. Well, even, even if they want Shay's rebuild route, they can't get much worse. Right. Well, that's yeah. They, they I, did have the sixth, they had the sixth overall pick. After like, not winning the lottery. Yeah, like if you think about it, like they were actually really fucking bad. It was the worst, their worst uh points percentage since like 2006. <laughs> since the 0506 season, uh yeah, fresh, yeah. fresh out of the lockout with Adrian a team captain Adrian a coin. Well, don't mention that name. <laughs> I know. Actually, uh wasn't it didn't he get hurt that year and they had uh uh, LaPointe wear the C too. I think he I thought he wore the A until a coin left town and then uh, LaPointe got the C, but I could be wrong about that. I don't know. Okay. They but either way, yeah, it, it was, it, it was like a throwback to all of the days that, you know, like all the old school Hawks fans, uh, would beat their drum about, uh, how none of the new fans had to endure all of this, but, uh, you were, you're getting a fresh dose of the only difference is like the team is still kind of popular. <laughs> like even the, in spite of how bad they are, like they're still, you know, the United Center is pretty full. The games are on TV. You can get like stuff at the uh, all the stores around town. There's people are still 
post, posting wedding photos of them getting married and knockoff jerseys. Yeah, exactly. People are like still that. traveling. People are still, yeah. People, some people are going to LA to watch the games home. are televised. <laughs> yeah. 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 So my, one of my friends ended up going to that Nashville game that I didn't go to, and they were like really surprised at how many Blackhawks jerseys there were since Nashville had just owned the Hawks in recent years. Um, grossly, but yeah, there were still a ton there. I didn't mean, Nashville red out. County, didn't, so that makes didn't keep the red out, I guess, huh? No, and did you guys see the Avs fans complaining about like that they were they, they were like, oh my god, this whole Jersey thing and canceling tickets, and it's like that's not new for Nashville. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's been around for a while. I want to ask you because uh, I know you said you went to like the Atlanta games. Did you ever see the Hawks play at Nashville like before the Hawks were really good? Um, no. I was just wondering if people tra- like really traveled then because Hawks fans have been around, but not obviously not like how they are now. But, no, but I was, I wouldn't have traveled by myself. I was too, like, <laughs> too young. Yeah, no, no, that me. I mean, we're the same age. That's kind of why I was, why I was asking if you were just closer in location. She was 12. It was a long bike ride from, uh, <laughs> Shit. from Atlanta to Nashville or wherever, I was, I was, wherever part of Georgia. That's the well, only city I could name in Atlanta. Being, being 12 at the United Center, it was really fun. There was no LEDs all over the place. And I learned a lot of fun words. <laughs> Uh, but I, I guess the, the only difference between now and then is after the uh, the 0506 season. I think that was that was uh, they got Taves after that season, then Kane after the next summer, and then we don't right. have to, and then everyone else can fill in the blanks for what happened after that. But um, they uh, they don't have that number three overall pick this year. Although I guess they're still in contention for number one next year. However, they have several number three overall picks on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> they do. How, they've got what three? Doc Stroman Taves. Doc, yeah. yeah. Probably well, one next is. year. So what 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 would happen though if like because we were talking about this before we got on the air, if Kirby Doc like a, a flip, you know, a switch flips, right? And it just clicks for him at the same time that they get the first or second overall pick next year. Could that would usher in like if it was just like the same recreated magic, but would they yeah. be able to have and we, we know this from other teams that lots of teams have hit on high draft picks. Hello, Edmonton. Um, hello, Buffalo. You know, and nothing has come of it um, except poor, poor dash dreams and everybody laughing because it's an ugly neon um, orange jerseys. Yeah. But uh, would the Blackhawks, do you think that they would have a good enough uh, roster built around them? Like that would be the question is even if they did even if those two magic things happened, the two players that they would really need, they'd, they'd pick somebody that's the cane and Doc somehow magically turns into Taves or something approximately similar to it. And they've already got, maybe Dabrinkit's still here. Could they maybe mold into something else? I don't know. Well, then I think your your two, uh, the two other positions are still like that would, the forward lines would be pretty damn good at that point but you'd still have a lot you of questions need, about the yeah. blue line and you'd need to know who your goalie is. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, Niemi was the goalie. That's true. Yeah. They did. Pull, <laughs> pull a goalie I, I would argue, I would argue that the top four defensemen were the goalie when they won. That <laughs> yeah. But, but <laughs> like, uh, if Soderblom or Camesso are around by then, um, I don't know. And then I don't like maybe Seth Jones is good enough to step in there. I don't know how old, like, I don't totally know. I think he would be better under you. Everybody knows my opinion about this. If he had a better coach, I think he would be better, but yeah, there's a lot of questions on the blue line. There just are a lot of kids. The goalie thing though, at least they have guys in the system because they usually get, you know, it takes time with them. At least we know there's guys there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm about to pull up this roster. Just remind myself of all the, like the younger guys who are on it because like that, that like, even like, we'll even skip like the first cup team. Because like that, that was even deeper into their careers. But uh, like the 0809 team, like I believe that was Versteeg's rookie year, and he had 53 points that year. Like uh, he was like third in Calder voting. And Andrew Ladd was tw- like Andrew Ladd was 23. Boland was 22. Cam Barker was 22. Bauer. Uh, Bauer he was sucks. 20, Brower was 23. Bufflin was 23. Like all these guys in their early 20s had like became really really good NHL players in like either that season or the season before it. And Dave, Cam Barker did not become a good oh, NHL player. Okay, all right. I, I I just I was going down the, the thing, and I I'm sorry. I will die hey, on that hill. Hey, you're you're right, but he also became Nick Letty, if I remember correctly, and, and so, Kim Johnson. 
And well, yeah, Sky who is somewhere? <laughs> Sky Point, yeah. Who, um, who got abducted by aliens? We think. <laughs> but yeah, like you had all those guys who became really, really good. Just like not entirely out of the blue, but you know, a lot of those guys were deeper draft picks. Dustin Bufflin was drafted in a round that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So. I just, I like, there's such a, cause Kane will bring this back to like Kane's comments about like how he thinks he was like, you know, a rebuild could happen quicker than you think, because for him it did, it happened in, you know, what, Two three seasons. seasons. Yeah. One, yeah. One, yeah. one bad season. And then they were in the conference final. Yeah, exactly. So to him, yeah, it could turn around on a dime if you're lucky. And if the, there's, there's something there, I, it's almost like you have to be optimistic. I don't think that's going to happen, but you got to hope like something similar or it's not as long um, is going to happen. But yeah, next year will be interesting just to see which direction it goes. Cause I don't think that happens if Kane is gone, gone is no. my thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kane doesn't also realize that we use the Ross and Rachel analysis a lot, but him and Taves coming in together was a Corey and Topanga thing where it was just like all right uh you're perfect and go win <laughs> and it's like okay I, I i will say though like i would want i would not want a player like any player on the team to come into the nhl like in the next season and say like oh we'll be good in like three or four years like you want them to have the competitive streak to say we're going to be good in two years maybe even this year yeah whether or not that's true is, is a whole other thing but at least like I feel like that is the that's the kind of mindset you want the players to have, or this whole thing's not going to work to begin with. So, yep. Uh, there. Uh, while we're on the topic of uh, all of those young guys, uh, we're going to take a quick time out, and we're going to come back and talk about one of them in particular, whose name I think came up a few times. But uh, we're, we're going to get a little deeper on that particular topic, along with some other things. So, come on back for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And uh, as promised before the break, there's one player in particular we wanted to get into is we're starting to do a little bit of our season recap from the last season. And we're going to try and go weekly here by position group. Maybe we'll do two weeks on the forwards uh, because there are more of them to talk about, obviously. Uh, But there's one forward in particular we wanted to talk about because um, obviously Lucas Reichel's future could be very bright in Chicago. And, uh, you know, some of the other guys, you know, Patrick Kane, it's, it's more obvious of just like, Where's he going to go from here? The one guy who still is maybe the biggest question mark on the entire active roster right now is Kirby doc. Um, And he's, it's been uh, everyone knows the history by now of the uh, really good in the bubble. And then he breaks his wrist and then he had a bad 2021 season. And then this last season wasn't much better. And it's just kind of, uh, you don't really know what's going on with him. It's just, it's, it's such a bizarre, it's feel like it's just been a bizarre ride with him in general. Uh, his entry level contract is up this season. He's a restricted free agent right now. Uh, I, I, I think it's pretty safe, safe to say he'll be back next season because you don't give up on a number three overall pick after three seasons. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll swing it around to Shea first. And I, I don't really know what to say other than Kirby doc. What do you think? Other than a heavy sigh, because that's that's my initial thought too. I, so before the show, we th- we talked about like there's there is reasons for optimism, uh, and and that reason for optimism's name is Sean Couturier, who didn't take off until he's 25 years old. Kirby Doc is not Sean Couturier; he's more offensive and less defensive. Um, but there's reasons for optimism. What are they? Please enlighten me, because I, I I don't have many. <laughs> The only thing I can think of is that he's still 21 and that he can still people. Uh, I think anybody at the age of 21 becomes very different by the time they're age, they're 25. So maybe he will too. Yeah. Uh, I, there are people on Twitter, which I hardly visit anymore for good reason. It just got bought by a madman um, who uh, say that like, if, if you're, if you're a top three pick, if you're a top three pick forward, and you're not good by your age 21 season, you're probably not going to be good. And, uh, and I imagine, for optimism. I imagine those, the, that's the very data and analytic intensive people yes. using their, using like mm. historical information for that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but uh, look like Capo Caco, who was drafted ahead of Kirby doc is doing better now. Is it, is than it he better? Was, than he was, 
his first and, two seasons. And Capocacco's in a better situation right now than Kirby Dak's been in for yeah. all the reasons. Like well, The reasons for optimism are the reasons for optimism for, I think, every player on this team. Under a different coach with actual NHL head coaching. <laughs> Could they be better? Probably. If 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 Kirby Doc isn't coached by by Derek King and Jeremy Colleton, could Kirby Doc turn into something? Probably. Under uh, a few names, we'll probably talk about in the coming future because the Blackhawks aren't going to make a coaching decision right away. Because I don't. Yeah, I. I think they probably have time to make a decision, but like I, th- I think under actual NHL head coach, NHL quality head coaching, I think Kirby Doc could turn it around and like. And and he's, like, like, he's only like two seasons and full two full seasons into his career. Yeah, and like I think like when you say turn around, I, I like my my thought on this, and I imagine you're probably in this ballpark as well, is that like turning it around, like he's probably almost certainly not going to be the next Jonathan Taze, which is what we no. wanted him to be. But you can still be a serviceable NHL player. There is a very there's a lot of room between being the next Jonathan Taves and being an AHL player. And if Kirby doc gets uh, towards the higher end of that range and he's a decent second and third line player, like obviously he, it's disappointing. He wouldn't live up to the number three overall billing, but it's better than nothing. He he's not going to be Taves, but you know who won a, won a cup with as I think a first line center, Brad Richards, you know who, who Kirby doc could be Brad Richards. That wouldn't be, wouldn't be a terrible career. You can, oh. make, make, you can make some good money being that. And then in year 15 or whatever, you join a powerhouse team that needs a second line center and win the third Stanley Cup with them. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring in Betsy next because I know she's been working on a Kirby Doc article. So I know she's got a lot of stuff to get to, I think. So when I'm swinging around to Mill <laughs> first before we bring in Betsy. So, Mill, what are your uh, Kirby Doc thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, I think with the analytics, like they're going to tell the story, but without the context, it's kind of a weird case mm-hmm. because, and don't get me wrong, like I fully back stats, but uh, Doc to me looks like a guy who is mechanically flawed, if that makes sense, um, in, in a way where like if he's in a board battle or like his positioning in front of the net or playing sideboard, he doesn't really look confident. He doesn't always, he looks kind of like he doesn't know where he's supposed to be and he's getting physically like beat by guys much smaller than him. And I, you know, I don't expect him to be Taves, but he's the size, like the size comparison was like gets laugh and Shifley. And I'm like, this is a big boy. He should at least be a serviceable, like two, two or three C mm. in my opinion. But like you guys said, he's young and there might be time for them to fix that. He's also never had a really good coach at the NHL level. And I'm not trying to bring that up, but that's just the truth. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of it. I mean, I I really think that they might be able to get him on track. Obviously, they let him go play in that tournament and he broke his wrist and, you know, that can't help. But um, I'm just going to say I'm not hoping for him to be like an all-star. I'm optimistic that he can become a serviceable, like, middle six guy. Yeah, and and if if Kirby Doc can figure it out and become that, that I would – I would settle for that. That That's a decent consolation prize. And I think it would be like to his credit that he didn't just completely fold up the tent and give up completely that he, you know, actually tried to try still try, like had the uh, perseverance and all that to get through it. Cause I, I imagine I like, I'm sure, you know, he's not an idiot. He's aware of the, he's not had the career that he was probably hoping to this point, but you know, he's still got time to figure that all out. So uh, the main thing that I wanted, we're, we're working on an art, well, we say we, it's mainly Betsy's working on an article where we're trying to figure out what it is that Kirby Doc does well. And I know, Betsy, you said you've started to look into this a little bit, or maybe it's just leftover thoughts from things you've looked at during the season. But can you shed some light on what were some of those things that Kirby Doc does well? Well, I think Mill is completely right about his observation that Kirby Doc doesn't play like the player he looks like he should be. Kirby Doc plays like like he's trying to be closer to what a Patrick Kane is doing. You know, like he's playing but not as not as not nearly as well. You know, like he's not doing it in a in a way that that should work because he's just not that type of player. You know, it's like he wants to be a little too much finesse and um he needs to like he's a big he's a tall kid but he's lanky as mm-hmm. crap. He needs to put on 
weight. I know we always joke about that, that weight doesn't matter, but it will for him because it needs to be like strength weight for him. The things that, that Curry Doc does really well are things like uh, he's really great in transition. He's one of the best. He, he has uh, some of the best. Not only does he do it a lot, but he has the, the best, um, some of the, the highest success rate in entering the zone with the puck. Um, and those are, that's just a really, like shows that he's a good skater, um, a smart skater, um, Mm -hmm. even, uh, and he has good, like four checking numbers. Like he's good at like, uh, either pressuring in the corners to get a puck to pop out and the Blackhawks regain possession or he gets it himself. What he isn't good at is what does he do when he actually gets into the zone with the puck? For some reason, his brain just disconnects. I don't understand. <laughs> like all, like even when people are ta- like the track him in games, they're like, "Oh, he had this beautiful entry," and then you know, all of a sudden, what happens to him? It's like once he has to make a decision past that point, he just doesn't know how to do it, and it feels like it's a lack of confidence because he did not have that problem in juniors. Or when he first entered the league, it wasn't like nothing, not everything was connecting, obviously, but he wasn't like shy about making those, those passes. His high danger pass rate last season was really strong. This season, it's, it's still above average, but like not near where he was before. And it's barely above average. Um, and that might dip as more data comes in. Cause right now the, we're looking at like a 23 game sample. So mm. those numbers could shift because it felt as the season went on, he got worse at that, not better. Mm. And I, I do think it's a, di- like part of the problem is those types of things that we're talking about, these like foundational issues that he has, the coaching staff that was in <laughs> Chicago wasn't prepared for that kind of thing and they did him a disservice not leaving him in juniors even though he probably was too good for juniors so was Debrinket but they still left Debrinket in juniors for another year because they like he shouldn't have been in the NHL quite that soon so Debrinket had like not Debrinket Doc has a lot of uh things that I think that could be honed to be better than they are it's just he needs to be directed put on better muscle, correct some foundational issues, and then play up to his strengths, you know, like get him back into being a playmaker. He doesn't shoot enough, but put him with a shooter and maybe it won't matter. Um, And let him have the puck through the middle of the zone as much as possible. Like figure out how to teach him what to do when you're in front of the net. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anything. Yeah. I, I like, I think that the biggest thing for me with Kirby doc is that that nine game stretch in the bubble in 2020, like he was really good. Like he was one of the best, the Blackhawks best players in that little stretch. And it's just like, that's not, I know it's only a nine game sample, so it's not the, not the best number, but I mean, I don't, I just, to, to do that in what was essentially the postseason at the time, like I, like I, like that, that nine game stretch that there's something there. There was an NHL caliber player there and that, it, that it's apparently it's going to take more work than we initially hoped to unearth it, but that there is something there. Do you, do you want to know? So, um, so what are, yes, I do want to know whatever there's, two, it is there's, there's different stats that are kind of like all in comp, like they're all in one stats. You have war and gar and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but game score is another what one. What is it good for? Sorry. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Everything. <laughs> Thank Absolutely you, well, everything. Keeping the Boy Meets World theme tonight. So uh, <laughs> sometimes these all-in-one stats don't accurately, like for certain players and stuff. For example, Patrick Kane is a perfect example of, um, let me say example three more times, um, <laughs> that war just for some reason does not fit him. Like he'll have everything else will be like, he's amazing. And then war will be like, he's the most terrible player in the world. Do you, know, do you even, want to know what it is about war? That, 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 that doesn't like Patrick Kane. Uh, it's the same. It's the same reason Alex Ovechkin's war is never as high as it should be. Defense. Well, no, no, no. It has no, no. Uh, go like uh, all the stats guys: Dom, uh, Corey, um, Jay Fresh. They all got into a thing where they were like, because Jay Fresh put up a thing and was like, 
somebody explained, you know, like jokingly explained this and they went into like a pretty long, like back and forth about it because they're like, even his offensive work does not match up to what he does on the ice. It just never has. And they're like, everything should feed into this. And in fact, some of them were like evolving hockey. And then we're talking about like how they were going to like edit some formulas and blah, 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 do math. They were going to do more math and it was going to be beautiful. Right. But <laughs> they were talking about how the difference between his like game score and war, because Kane's game score is still extremely good. He's, he's by far like his game score is the best on the team and it's not even close even Dubrinkit doesn't come really close to him yet on it. Um, and it, it's just an interesting, like, back and forth between those types of stats. Kirby Duck's war is, like, not as bad, like, it, like as you would think. But his, if you look at game score, he's still fourth best on the Blackhawks, which I always find really interesting because uh, game score looks more at passing zone entries and stuff like that. And it's the zone entries, I think, that's, like, and, and that's him so much, and, but and, and basically the, the game score is like a cumulative statistic over the course of a season, right? That's how it's that you can do it. Can be else. for yeah, you can do it for a game, like it can be a literal, like small sample game score. But yes, it's for the one that I'm talking about is for over the full okay. season. So, so um, like there, again, I think that goes back to your point about there. There are things that he does well. It's just yeah. that it's just that like those aren't necessarily goals, assists, and points, which is what. I mean, yeah, and I know, I know that's, stats, that's not all of it, but that is, you know, what he was expected to do more of, I guess. Yeah, and those and those stats are do not. Those are called counting in, stats for a reason. Those are important yeah. stats. Yeah. yeah, and then and then the the these like game score war they don't some of them aren't getting these things that say Mill was talking about, which was the poor positioning in front of the net, you know, or he's just getting out muscled in certain areas, you know, yeah. like those are just facts. Yeah. Um, that these types of, of stats do not, they don't have the context for, which is why they're used as a starting point And you really should always dig deeper. Mm-hmm. But I just, I find those types of um, those differences, like obviously there's something there. Can they ever turn it into something that will ultimately be highly useful for the Blackhawks or even semi-useful for the Blackhawks? I don't know, yeah, but yeah. you just got to hope. Yeah, Again, because- I want that switch because- <laughs> because I I know everybody seems to uh dis everyone's trying to trade him away but like he's the number three overall pick he's not going anywhere just just I I think you should probably accept that fact especially on a team that's going to be doing this rebuild like one of the number one assignments for the coaching staff that comes in next season is get something out of Kirby Doc Kirby Doc semi useful quasi useful the Diet <laughs> Coke of useful just also- one calorie not useful enough. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's maybe that's, he'll that's become the weird. cherry Coke zero of players, <laughs> the very best. So all of our favorites. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty good. I, I don't, uh, I, whatever thing I was about to say about Kirby doc. Oh yeah. It's just, I, I find it, it will be very interesting to see what his next salary is because, uh, he obviously won't get a massive raise over. I think he was at eight twenty five or nine twenty five, something like that. Um, like he has his production is not that he's going to get into the multi-millions I too far into the multi-millions. Um, so I think that that'll be indicative of where he's at right now. So, uh, but yeah, I guess we'll find that out, but there's obviously more than just one Ford on this team. Uh, and, and several of them might actually be back next season. Um, we talked about Dylan Strom a lot, so I don't know. I think we really need to dive into that. Um, don't trade him. There you go. There's, there's <laughs> he's so Strom. good. I and uh, the Dominic Kubali conversation I think we had already about yeah um, trade it's him probably it's probably worth it well so I <laughs> at the deadline next year after you bring him back and hope he has a rebound season right well, yeah because right now you're, you're selling it a little yeah bit. yeah right yeah well right now he he'd walk in free agency and it seems like they might let him do that which doesn't seem like the best idea but whatever no that's wasting assets but the two there are two players that we got a brief glimpse of uh, that. I wanted to dive into a little bit because uh, Betsy sounded very excited about one is, and I think Mill did too. Um, this Taylor Radish and Boris, is it Kachuk or Kachuk? I keep saying Kachuk, but I don't, I know it's not Kuchu, spelled. Kuchu. Exactly. I know it's, <laughs> I know it's, it's, I feel like it's pronounced like the other hockey family, but it's not spelled the same, but whatever, you know, what I'm talking about number 14. Uh, so I, I'm going to swing it around. 
Let's Mill. I'll, I'll let you go first. Like, I don't know if you wanted to talk about Radish or Kachuk or, or your guy. Well, also, your guy Boris, I should say. Uh, but go ahead. Where, where got, do you want to go? I got one thing that uh, I specifically think Betsy will appreciate. But uh, if you go on Hockey Reference, the Blackhawks, and then you sort the players by position, it's like specifically left wing, center, right wing, defenseman, goalies, and then there's one player listed as just F, just forward, very last, and it's Reese Johnson. <laughs> Well, category of his own. Oh boy! Um, I was gonna. How do I, I make that into? But he's a very nice guy. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think uh, Radish is. Fun. Yeah, Radish was a nice little surprise. I know uh, when he came over, we there was some discussion about like, could his offensive upside be better than we saw in Tampa because there's so many guys there and he didn't get the minutes and the offensive zone time and all that. I thought he was pretty good, honestly. Um, and if he could keep up those kind of numbers and over an 82 game season, I don't think too many people are going to be missing Hagel's production wise. Yeah. I mean, he, he, when Radish arrived, he had a pretty good hot stretch. He cooled off a little bit towards the end, although the whole team cooled off for like the second half yeah, and of March. King ex- inexplicably <laughs> broke him up from Taves as if yeah. that wasn't like just a magic connection. Yeah. Like, uh, but he ended up with 10 points in 21 games. So I obviously a, a little bit higher production. I, uh, and, over an 82 game season, maybe getting like, he seems like he could be like a mid upper forties, maybe even crack 50 points. If he, if he got adequately deployed for an entire season, I think the biggest difference is that in his uh, career with Tampa, which was all of 53 games, his average ice time was 11 minutes in Chicago. It was 1534. So more ice time, more opportunity. And you saw a little bit more out of him than than it was able in Tampa because, you know, Tampa's got 9,000, forwards it seems well also if we were still comparing to Hagel Hagel's first season with the Blackhawks was only like a point four six he had like 24 and 52 um so oh, yeah so yeah he's so he's, he's right a, in line he's right yeah. in line. they're roughly the same age like they're yeah. uh let's see if I can do math they're about 150 days apart so so there you go and I will say like Brandon Hagel I've seen I feel like there's been a little bit of backlash on Brandon Hagel in Tampa that he's like not what exactly what they wanted or he's not, they're not getting as much out of him as they were hoping to. Who could have foresaw that? Oh, a, a third liner who had an elevated shot percentage. Who yeah. could have guessed? Yeah. I mean, Did, he still didn't has, we, sorry, go ahead. He, I was going to say he still has three points in five games. Yeah, that's good. But I just, I'm just saying, weren't we all screaming at people like, yo, he's yeah. shooting 22%. Like, that's ungodly. Yeah, it was actually like a, the more the more time goes on, the more it's like that was actually like really really good timing. It's like trade. impressive. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hey, score score one for Davidson. Hopefully, there's more trades like that in the future. Uh, but Shay, did you have any Taylor Radish or Boris Kachuk thoughts before uh, we let Betsy sing her praises of Boris? Uh, I I think Taylor Radish. I, I I take like when that trade was made, and I wrote an article about like. This is bad. Why did you give up two fourth round picks for two like guys who are, who are not making it on the Tampa roster? I was wrong about Taylor Radish. I'll straight up admit that. I was that, wrong about Taylor Radish. That, that's growth. We're proud of you. <laughs> I convince me on Boris Kachuk LBR because I am not convinced. I don't see anything in him. I, I don't I don't see it. I don't see him. I, I get it with Radish. Radish is a top. Like is a, is a top nine, maybe top six player. Like I get that. Like John Cooper was right. Like he, in a different team, on a different team, he was, he was definitely worthy. It's just like Tampa is Tampa and is double cup champions and is stacked. Uh, they just didn't have room for him. Blackhawks have room for him and we'll continue to have room for him. He's, he's older than I'd like for the rebuild, but he'll, he'll still be probably decent. Yeah. Um, okay. So my whole thing on Boris is there's two reasons I like him. I like how he skates out of the defensive zone. Um, I like how smart he is with the puck out of the defensive zone, even though the Blackhawks aren't really bad about it. He was so much better at it. Um, and he was excellent when he was with Tampa. Now Tampa's system allows for it to be like great, but he was much better at it than practically any other forward on the team. Um, and uh, I like how he retrieves 
pucks. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I think he does it in a way that is like when they're going into the corner, he doesn't go in hard. He goes in at specific angles to knock the puck to the right people. Sam Lafferty does it in a way uh, where he can knock the puck away from them, like with his body, like he does a really good job of that. Boris did it with his stick a lot. Like I just, I like just like on the forecheck. You mean? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just a really smart way to try to regain possession for the Blackhawks. Now, a lot of times the Blackhawks with the other members on his line would still flub it. Like, I don't know how many times he went to Reese Johnson. I feel like I'm just like boring into that guy and he just couldn't handle it. But like, if, if Boris was on a line with a Kruger or any type of player that Kruger ever played with, I feel like he could be a very good, that type of, of, of fourth liner that can, his job is to go in, fetch the puck, flip the ice, get Kane on the ice, get a Debrinket on the ice. I just, I feel like he has the elements for that. Yeah, Andrew Desjardins, Ben Smith, like yeah. those lines. Yeah, Ryan Carpenter. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, I, I, I like the way that he thinks about when he has the puck in the defensive zone. It, I think he does it. I think he's smarter and calmer about it than a lot of other players. I don't know if that can actually translate into him becoming that. I think given time, he could. Um, he's smarter than his skills, if that makes sense. But I thought Kruger was also like that. So I like those types of players, those types of utility defensive guys. Like, that, like a little more cerebral in their approach to hockey. I guess that that's the best word I got for you. Cerebral. Yeah, and they know, like, and if they're applied correctly, that's how they, they can be. I, I mean, you can look at what, like, Kampf is doing with Toronto. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. playing above even what he did with the way that he's being used by them is smarter than the way that JC ever used him. Um, mm. Like, I think he was misused in Chicago because he was not used as a defensive specialist enough. Um, so, it, I, I like, again, that's my whole thing on him. I do not expect him to be more than a fourth-line guy, but I think he could be a very good like the type of player that teams, even winning ones really need to have, but he'd have to, he has to be developed into it. Yeah. Um, Cause you can't, you can't all be, you know, you can't all be top six guys. Yeah. And Kruger but, didn't come into unless the, you're Tampa and like Kruger didn't come into the league instantly the way he, you know, he was, it took him a like good season or two to get to it too. And he got better as it went on him and he in 2015 was much better than he was in 2013. And he was very good in 2013 at his role. So that's my, that's my whole get off my soapbox about I, people always <laughs> joke to me. Cause they're like, you don't like the physical guys. And I was like, no, I love checking line guys. I love them. I want them to exist on the Blackhawks. And they, I mean, this is the church of Dave Bowling over here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want, and I don't even need them to be as two-way as Bolin could be occasionally. They can just be defense first, and I'm fine with that. But, yeah, I just – I want more players like that. And I, every time I see one like Boris that comes through, I'm like, please hone him. Please. He could be a good little, like, defensive knife. A good, a good little defensive – that's <laughs> – there we go. We're, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to call him knife now for the rest of his career. By the way, I just want, I just want everyone to, remi- uh, to remind all the, all the people out there Dave Bolin, 2005-2006 with the London Knights, 59 games, 130 points. Don't ever let anyone tell you he couldn't play offensive hockey. He just – his body just fell apart. But. Dave Bolin was involved in like nine playoff overtime goals for the Hawks too. I, I counted. Yeah. I, I don't want to go too far down the the, the – we are assembled in the church of Dave Bolin every night, so uh, we don't want to go too far down the road because we're, we're obviously major uh, – proponents of it make your tides to us please <laughs> yes yes please do um before we get out of here we have one last topic we want to get to um and it is a certain ahl postseason series that is going to be starting on thursday night just outside of the city of chicago in rosemont where the rockford ice hogs and chicago wolves will begin a quick five game series in the calder cup playoffs uh the first two are at rosemont or whatever that oh, is it all-state arena now you know the place. Yeah, Rosemont Horizon. There you go. Uh, they play Thursday, Saturday at the Rosemont slash Allstate slash Tweeter Center, World Music Center, whatever that. <laughs> We're Honest to God, I don't, I don't even know what that one's called yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, but they play those two in Rosemont. Then they go back to Rockford 
And then if they, and that's the two games in Rockford are Sunday and Tuesday. And if they, if necessary, game five would be the following Thursday. The one point I want to touch on with this series or just with this team in general, because they did win their three game play in series against the Texas stars. Um, like if you remember, it was like three or four years ago, this, the, the wool, or excuse me, the ice hogs ran to the conference final. And then I believe they lost to the wolves that year. Correct. Was that, I don't know, but anyway, which year is this? Oh, the like, year that they ran Delia and glass. That's yeah. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the wolves lost that year. Cause that was uh, the year I think I was covering the wolves. Okay. So the, the thought that I had here related to this team and the three of you can tell me if I'm wrong is it does seem like this version of the Rockford ice hogs that a lot of the players who are playing key elements in the series, like Soderblom is playing very well in net, but it also feels like there's a lot of the guys who could have futures with the Blackhawks who are carrying or who are carrying a lot of the play, like Ian Mitchell, Lucas Reichel, uh, Isaac Phillips is getting a lot of minutes. Um, Huh? Love him. Okay. Thank you. That's what I thought you said. Uh, Mike Hardman's actually playing very well down there. So there's, there's a oh, handful good. of, well, <laughs> you know what? It's funny you mentioned that. Cause I had a lengthy side conversation with Betsy earlier today, just about Mike Hardman. But, uh, and, but if you go back to that, that team from, uh, it was like 17, 18 or something like that. It was like Cody Franzen was the leading scorer at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and there was a few other guys that I believe were just on AHL contracts that had no futures in Chicago that were kind of carrying the way for them. So the fact that it is a, you know, the, the, these are guys who you could see in Chicago in the road down the road. I think that makes it a little bit more somewhat more encouraging than the other playoff, but uh, playoff series that you got out of the ice hogs, because all those guys were like, all right, cool. But, you know, we're not like our, the players are getting more games, but they're not really doing anything in those games. It's all these uh, non future NHLers that are doing it. Yeah. I mean, this ISOC team still has a couple of those players. Cause like, I mean, not right now. the one, right? Is yeah. That, he's, he's been great. Um, it was funny because in Power Power's article, he was like, he he was like, he may never get an NHL contract. I was like, dude's about to be twenty seven, so. <laughs> so so that's, that's safe, gonna be a, that's, that's gonna be a bet. no from me, dog. <laughs> right, and um, and Please then stop Brett, crushing my dreams. <laughs> and then Brett Connolly was obviously really good for them. He's injured right now, so he's actually not playing. Um, but yeah, other than that, the other guy, the other top guys forwards are it's obviously Reichel. Then it's Hardman and Slavin and Tepley. Um, Barrett's top 10. Um, Alti Barkin, I'm never going to say his name. Andre. Alti Barmakian. Alti Barmakian. I think that's it. He's actually, he's out right now too for unknown reasons. He didn't play in the last game of the season either, but there has been no announcement on injury or anything like that. And he was really good with Reichel down, down the stretch. So it'll be, that's interesting. But defense, obviously. I, every one of those defenders, I like, I, I like all, I like, it's weird. I, I have <laughs> never liked a group of defenders as much as I like them. And yeah, they're just, uh, uh, Mill, I don't know if you've watched, I know, uh, Kalyanuk was your boy, but, uh, he's become like kind of a defense first kind of guy. He, I'm here for that. He was way, he's way more of the like guy, like he, he gets paired with a Regula a lot. And so he like is the, the stay at home guy. Yeah. So he's playing center field down there probably. Yeah. And also, uh, I mean, he still scores too. Like it's crazy. Cause he's got like a 0.5 point. Well, that's game, the hope, but... right. That these guys can, can learn and come up and be better. I mean, yeah. I don't want to be pessimistic about the A. No. And he's also kind of mean. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's got Kalyanuk. He's got some like rat tendencies. Um, draws that's, more penalties than he takes, though. So that's good. Um, I mean, as long as he's not personally being mean to any of us, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, he, he has not threatened my life in any way, Mel. So I think we're good. Um, I hate side, to hear that he's a son of a bitch or something <laughs> like. <laughs> And he's not a nice guy. Like, um, There's no, Reese Johnson. We want Reese. <laughs> no, um, we don't. I was surprised they didn't send down like Reese Johnson or even like Khrushchev. Um, Cause Khrushchev did play a couple, couple of games down there and he would have, he would have 
torn it up too. But Rockford I mean, Deadass said you can have Reese to the Hawks. <laughs> um, what was it? So I I was writing. I was answering some questions for uh, the hur- Hurricanes. Um, Canes country. Nation. Yeah, Canes country. And they asked me who my underrated players were, and I did mention Mike Hardman, and I was going to give him a shout out for. Um, and Dave talked about our like side conversation, which was, is it weird that I'm rooting for him to like make it back to the NHL? Like, that's weird, right? Because I did not like him when he was with the Blackhawks. Yeah, but that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> do you don't? I don't think you understand how well he turned his game around you know everything that we complained about for him he doesn't do in the ahl like i don't know if it's just because it's slower um or if he just really worked on it but i've really liked watching him play and i think he plays in a smart competent way that complements his skill set now so he's everything that i think Derek king thinks reese johnson is which is why i always say (laughs) It was a detriment to Reese Johnson's development that they didn't put him back in the HL. I know he was hurt a lot, but like he should have spent another year down there. So um, I don't know. Mike Hardman could be useful. I think he'll. I think uh, if the Ice Hogs want to make it past the Wolves, they need the secondary scoring from guys like Hardman and Slavin and everything like that. Because Texas, they only scored three goals against Texas, um, and Matt Murray was in net. Um, so oh, they did like a conditioning assignment. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about Matt Murray, not gonna lie. Wow, um, that's where he is. Okay, yeah. And Soderbloom faced 70 shots and only let in one. So, I think so it'll, it'll depend on how, how far they go, will depend on him being really good in net. And then, uh, can they get secondary scoring from, from forwards? Because I think their defense, their defense factored into over 30 of the 44 goals they scored in the Chicago series this year. So I think that they can, they can handle it. And Isaac Phillips had like five of them. So I was, cause he was very good. Well, now my only concern is that they give Kalanick a real number when he comes back. <laughs> I'm glad. I that, do, I, I'm glad he's doing well. I I mean, he's, he's like, uh, they all are doing well in their roles is like, what I've taken away from them in Rockford. I think they, Gula does really well when he's down there. I, Isaac uh, Phillips has gone from being a bottom pair guy at the start to he's the top pair with Mitchell. It's just a cool, cool, cool thing to watch with the defenders. So yeah, so I've been, I've been, I've been trying to find if there's uh, any local and by local, I mean, Chicagoland area uh, broadcasts of the games. It doesn't appear so like sometimes they're randomly on, uh, channel 50 or WPWR, whatever that network is. So, uh, I watched that, on AHL TV. Yeah. So if you want to watch those games, AHL TV, it's a subscription service where you can watch those games. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this edition of musings on Madison here on the second city hockey podcast network. Uh, I'm, I'm Dave. I'm on Twitter at DMO 57 mill is at mill 182 shepherd is at shepherd price. Betsy's not on Twitter, but you can find her at, secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. Uh, the main account's 2ND City Hockey. We've got some more podcasts coming your way for the next little while here. We'll have some more season recap articles uh, and season recap discussions as we proceed through the next month or two up until the draft, and then we'll turn into all the draft uh, talk, even though the Blackhawks don't have a first-round pick, but whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Thanks to you three for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.